to today's episode of We Were Just Thinking. I'm Shaylin. And I'm Elena. And we're here to rant, be better, tell you what we're into, think, show gratitude, and send you off with a thought to ponder. That's a lot for one podcast. This is our fifth episode, which is crazy. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, subscribing to, and favoriting us. Works different on different platforms. This definitely helps us get more visibility, which will eventually help us grow our listenership which is a word I made up, but it's the same thing as following. And we have some goals for this podcast, and we're excited to see where it goes. And more people listening to us is how we're going to be able to achieve those. So share it, please. Yes, with everyone you know. We're working on, I'm sorry, I should say I'm working on (laughs) being better with social media uh, because that is not something that I'm really good at, but I'm trying. I posted the heck out of those cheesecakes (laughs) from last time. I've also eaten a lot of those cheesecakes from last time. (laughs) So, all right, we're going to get started off with our rant. And this week, my rant is replying all. Oh, my God. I have such a good story about that. If you are someone who replies all for any reason... On a professional email, I want you to go to a mirror and look at yourself and say, I will not reply all anymore. (laughs) That is the chant that I want you to go over and over. If you get a group text. Oh, that's a good one too. That is clearly meant (laughs) to go to a lot of people. Don't reply all to it. I got, I, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> so Remember, we're trying to gain listeners. Not, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I sent a group text to a variety of people who all have me saved in their phones and sharing this podcast with them. And in a group text, got a reply from a handful of people because someone started a domino chain of people saying, please delete me from this thread. <laughs> I, first of all, I feel like the texts are much more tricky because, like, I don't think everybody uses the same, well, I know everybody doesn't use the same app, but you don't even use the same, like, factory app, you know, and they all work a little different. Um, so, like, I have an Android, so I use Textra. And I, I don't even know how to remove myself from a chain. And, and I know, too, that that's something that takes a little effort. Like, when you first read it, you kind of only think about the person who sent it, so you just kind of shoot something back. But I'm always mindful that, oh, my gosh, that just went into, like, 40 people's phones or 10 people's yeah, phones and or the first person 80 people's email boxes. <laughs> the first person that responded, Shaylin, was said something that was not appropriate for, like, a whole group of people. <laughs> that like, would be me. That would be me saying <laughs> That would be me saying and it's something she's inappropriate. Older, and everybody that did respond was either older or really young. Like there was nobody in their twenties or thirties that responded that way. It was like teenagers or fifties plus. Yeah. Well, I'm right up there with the moms, like the the grandmoms, I guess. I don't no. know. I would it that sounds like something I would do. I would reply like question mark. And, right, so I'm ranting about that. I'm not going to defend that. I totally agree. I think that it's so hard. Well, I won't do it in professional email, and you won't do it on text anymore. So, 
Yeah, I, and I don't do it. Usually I don't respond to those at all unless I know if all the people are in my contact list, for example, like if I can see everyone's name in the chat, then I will. Well, yeah, so if, if it's, it's like a group of friends. To be a group of friends making brunch plans like we just were. Sure, and that's that makes perfect. Sense. But if you see that the group is like 20 people and you realize, like, the, the title message is I don't know 18 to, of these phone numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, the one I sent was, like, clearly not meant to be responded to at all. Right. Like, it was just like, hey, check this out. It's a link. Like, it's like a a Facebook post or something kind of text. It's not like a, here's a strand of 20 people that are going to answer. Like, I feel like that's intuitive. Maybe I'm incorrect. No, I am incorrect, obviously, because right. I had, and like, see, six people be like please delete me. <laughs> even when I share things, like even if I'm like sharing the podcast or something like that, I copy the message and then I paste it in a new text to everyone because I don't, I do now. Plus you're like sharing that person's phone number with someone else, which they don't know who you are, but I always feel like, I don't want anybody to have my Everybody phone number. Everybody has your number anyway. No one would know who you are to answer. Like, our well, numbers no, are not private. It, we, like, we all get spam calls already. Right. That's how I think of it. But they may know. I, there's, I don't know. I'm just private about that kind of stuff. That's why I'm not social media. I'm not on social media except for the podcast. Like, I just don't dig in that world very much. I just, I think I feel like everything's already out there. So, it's like when my dad says, he doesn't want to put his information online to buy something. Like, <laughs> it's on the computer already. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no, I mean, there's yeah, no privacy in the That's true. World. And I don't think anybody, now that we say that out loud, I don't think anybody's, like, looking at their group text and Googling all the phone numbers. But yeah. I just feel, I don't know. My initial complaint is the reply all at work. I feel like, or anything professional. And the reason that that is so irking to me, I'll use that as a verb, I, I'm one of those people that I clear out my inbox all the time. Like I do not let stuff sit in there. And when I see someone sitting by me that still has like 2,206 emails in there, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it like makes me physically I Ill. almost <laughs> judge people for that. Well, I just think, ooh, that's weird. And, and maybe it's that whole minimalism mindset. Like I just like to have it. And if it's important, then I'll put it in its folder. But if it's not then I feel like I need to delete it. And I like to put everything in the right folder because it needs to be where I can find it easily, but I don't like it to be in a big list. I almost find it offensive when I see people with that many emails not open. <laughs> like, in a professional right. setting. You kind of think, are they paying attention to like, like, what's going on? Why do you on? have it if you don't use it appropriately? Yeah. Like, especially in a professional sense. Like, if I email you and you just never respond, I've had that happen in professional settings multiple right. times. Or they'll double ask you things that like we got an uh, all yeah faculty email on or something. Like, I, I do have one rude. friend that has a billion emails in her inbox and she actually is on top of it. So I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. But the reply alls, I just don't understand why people feel like their response is that important and sometimes I wonder if it's an accident like I don't know if there's a setting where maybe they're just replying and it's replying all or maybe they're just not paying attention to reply instead of reply all but in my email you actually have to click on an option to choose reply all so I feel like they're doing it on purpose and what I'm noticing is I feel like people are doing that almost to be noticed for what they're 
saying. Oh, and that's yeah. why I think it's deliberate. Oh, yeah. And I don't think I have anything that important to say, which is very interesting considering we're on our podcast, so we obviously feel like we have important things to say. But it, but in a professional sense where everyone has to get it and you have to check it. Like, that, if yeah. it doesn't, it's like when people are at a meeting that's for the entire faculty and staff and they say something that's clearly a one-on-one conversation with administrators, I find that just rude. Well, yeah, even when I worked in corporate America, I guess you could say, like, if we got an all, like, an all-staff email, no one replied all, or they were really made fun of. Like, no, because the person sending those was not interested in any of your responses, no matter who you are or what your response might be. So it's just interesting. I feel like it's this cultural thing where we also get a lot of emails that really aren't professional emails in the first place. Like, for example, my niece had a baby or something like that, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. Oh, my gosh, she's so cute. And, yeah, I'm sure it's cute. But, like, I don't even read those things. When I start getting those reply all, and and I guess it depends on your email settings, but I let a little snippet of the email show in my inbox. So I'm easily able to see it's something about that baby, delete, or it's Wait, something about so a yard sale, delete. A niece? A niece? <laughs> I was being... Okay, I can see if somebody who, like, actually works in the building themselves had a baby. Or a grandbaby. It's just, like, when you work with 60 people or 80 people, and let's say, you know, 20 of those people replied all, like, that doesn't seem like a lot, but that's 20 more emails in your inbox that are completely irrelevant to anything productive. Oh, yeah. I think that's crazy. But I also think that's just reflective of an inefficient culture of whatever the business is. Yeah, so I'm I'm like taking my finger and going right down there. Check 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 delete. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I don't entertain uh, them at all. I delete so much stuff without looking at it. So, I guess maybe I would say if you're going to reply all, which you've already told yourself you're not going to hopefully, that it's business you're not just doing it for related. I guess the attention of the nice remark. Or, yeah, it's really something that everyone needs to know. And to say that that's never the case is incorrect. There there are times when someone can reply all and, like, actually well, yeah. make sense or give you valuable information. Yes, and it's kind of like getting, like, when everyone gets an award. <laughs> yes. It's like, it like <laughs> replying all has a purpose. And right. that is not it. Well, and I, I loved it, like, at the last school you're at. Um, this big email came out once and um, one of the teachers responded like this big picture of stop for the everybody was just replying all replying all replying all and it was nauseating so I felt like his really sarcastic (laughs) way of saying please stop was hilarious because that's exactly how I was feeling so I'm sure other people were feeling that way too but that was hilarious I thought that was a really good one I was kind of hoping someone would do that on my uh, text deleting thing (laughs) that someone else would make a joke (laughs) because I wanted to say I created this how do I delete myself (laughs) like (laughs) I can't I guess you just delete the whole text, right? No, because but that if doesn't they reply all, they, it still comes to all of us because they still have that group message. Oh, see, I, I don't said even know how that works. Directions for deleting. <laughs> delete yourself. <the> group <laughs> chat. Like, delete the text, and then you won't have it to respond to anymore. <laughs> but I guess you would because someone else would, yeah. That's the whole really... idea is that you just don't respond. Just, like, just I... read it. So maybe that's the thing is... 
Whenever you email or you text and you email multiple people and you text multiple people, maybe you just use that for announcements unless it's close friends where other people on the group email or chat are going to know the other people. I just explicitly explain now. Like, this is a group text. If you reply, everyone will see it. And like, so. But I feel like that's crazy. Like, duh. You know what I mean? People don't know, though. But I feel like. So I just say it explicitly. If it's people that you know, then that's fine. And and obviously it's good for like planning if you're all trying to get together or something. But yeah, maybe you just put a little disclaimer at the beginning and say, do not reply all if you do not want other people's messages to come to you. I, yeah. I told people reply to me individually. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a big deal for me. I just feel like, okay, man. So I have a good rant today, too. Good. Let's hear it. Faulty data. This is what happens statistics. when we record after school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Faulty data and statistics. Yes. So it's testing season. And I've been it listening is. to a bunch of politicians. And the way that statistics are used uh, is so poor. And then people use it like it's a mic drop, mic drop moment. Like, right. Oh, here, <laughs> this happened, and I'm like, that's that data is not. I saw a meme of a mic drop, and the caption out of the guy's mouth was like, "I'm an idiot." <laughs> that reminded me. I thought, yep, that's that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, if if you're listening to a statistic or any kind of data, check it up. Like. The, everything I read about schools being successful is based on these standardized testing, and I'm the one in this classroom l- l- seeing it happen. And me and basically every other educator I talk to says that they're apples and oranges, yet we talk about it like it's important. It determines... Or people hate you for always pointing out that it's apples and oranges, which is Does always me at the table. <laughs> I'm Everybody always pointing out. You can't compare this data. It's not reliable or valid. We These are not even the same things being measured. It's like, put, <laughs> it, it's like the, the school that I'm at now puts it into this system that tells you basically whether you do a good job or not. I mean, it's not the school's decision. That's just how it is. And I haven't taught in a... Uh, a school that uses that kind of system before. Right. So basically it's these subjective test scores that are treated like objective data and you can't, it has to be one or the other. And uh, for us to use it as a stat, especially, I mean, that's what's going into the articles and the decision makers and the legislators. Whereas all the educators are walking around saying, no, but people feel subject to it themselves as teachers. They're like, oh, well, that says whether I did a good job. And it's not, you're, <laughs> you're the professional. But I feel like that's true in a lot of other capacities, too. Like, you hear a stat about how many jobs or how much money a certain company raised or whatever. And people inflate things to make it sound like they want what they want it to sound like. Yeah, I think that's across the board. Yeah. I feel like in teaching, it just feels more personal because some of those far-fetched statistics are also used to measure your own worth Mm -hmm. and your own effectiveness. And they are personal because they are directed toward that one person. Or a student too. Like to say, people are real comfortable saying, oh, well, standardized tests don't tell you everything about a child. Mm -hmm. But like, people don't talk about that with the teacher, with the school. 
the grade, the school grade, if you move somewhere and you look at the school grade, the school grade is largely determined by standardized test scores. Sure. So don't look at that. The same thing used to happen when I worked in finance, too. Like, you'd get these effectiveness scores, and it would be, oh, you booked this many loans this month, or you booked this many loans this year, or you foreclosed on this many loans, like, you know, good and bad. And thankfully, there wasn't a foreclosure goal, because that's terrible. But it it kind of was. Like, you had this many days to finalize this and get this taken care of and get it remarketed. Well... That's the thing, though. The data is supposed to be a tool in the professional's hand. When it becomes... It's only an evaluation. Yeah, and and, and you need to use your thinking brain to use it appropriately. Well, and there's just so many excluding factors that and implications to those because even with booking loans, like, I can't book a loan that someone wasn't eligible for. If they report a certain income in the beginning and then I'm not able to book a loan for them... Or they have some sort of unauthorized documentation, like maybe they didn't share their true birth certificate, or maybe they lied on the application or something like that. Like that still counts as a strike against you, but that's not a loan that you could book. And that's kind of the same thing I feel like in teaching. Like you get scored on these things that your students are supposed to achieve because it's concepts that you are supposed to have taught, but you also have some students that are so far below proficient that they couldn't even access the content that they were being tested on. Or if and they that's... start your classroom in the middle of the year and they measure your growth based on the middle of the third, fourth of the year to the end of the year versus the children who have been with you since the beginning. Like obviously that growth is going to be different and there's no indicator that it should be. Well, I mean, that is taken into account because when you do your percentage of instructional time. The other school counts them the amount of time that they were there. On which measure? Like EBOS. Yeah, see. So every state and district has something different, but we're doing that right now, so that's fresh on the brain. Like, even when I taught special education, I always had to, like, claim part of each student. And it's strange that we even divvy it up like that because maybe the intentional piece is that they want this specific data to be able to, you know, compare or to really look at where magic's happening or where shortcomings are happening. But it's so cloudy (laughs) that you can't make any sense of it. Because even today we were talking like, we have some students that go to ESL, they go to Title I, they go to speech, they go to special education, they go to all these other things, but yet you're responsible for their 150 minutes of, you know, ELA time or English language arts time. But then they're gone out of your room for like three sets of 30 minutes. (laughs) So the fair part, I think, is what they're trying to do is that where we claim our own time. Well, and vice versa. But it doesn't work out that way. I'm trying to get those kind of services for that genuinely needs it that no one will come evaluate, no one will move forward with the process, they won't let me move forward with the process independently. So of course that child's not gonna show growth because they're not getting what they need, what they need, and there's only one me. Yeah. I can't sacrifice 21 other students right. to give one student what they need to grow, give them <clears throat> access. And, you know, it's not that this, I don't think the fault is in the school system or anything, I think it's just in general, we're asked to do more than we have the resources for 
and people are afraid to prioritize things out. I feel like that's a drop off the umbrella of the problem. I think the umbrella of the problem, or maybe even go all the way up to the rain cloud, is that we shouldn't be focused on performance for young children. I think that's what makes sense. Like, we're not getting valid data. We're not getting reliable data. We're not even looking at data accurately because we're studying, for lack of a better term, because we're not really studying them. But five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds. So I feel like duh is the best word to sum that up. Like, it doesn't make sense. Standardizing performance in general of learning, I feel like, is not realistic. I, I get it if you're in a certain field and you need to know, does this person know this as a professional? Oh, sure. It's applicable in many other situations. But as far as learning goes, like, I used to make the argument always in college that I was very frustrated by the fact that, you know... When you're in teacher school, the (laughs) obsession with lesson plans is measurable goals, measurable goals. And I used to say all the time, like, that's not really what I'm in this for. You know, creativity is not measurable. Um, There's a lot of things that we do that are not measurable that I would argue are the most important things because we're human beings and there's a lot we don't know about humanity. So to limit us to what's measurable and then shove as much of that as possible as we can into kindergarten, first, second grade, is not only unrealistic, it's pushing out other things that I think are superior. Well, yeah, and I think that's why people often preach the whole child, but the data only measures academic performance in one format. Like, you may have a student, and I say that having taught grades that are tested. In our grades, it's tested in a very different, loose way. It's still stringent, but it's very different. Whereas it's more teacher led and you get to interact with the students. It's not just like a 54 question test on the eighth day of school with a bubble sheet that they've never used, you know? Um, so I think that obviously if your population is not ready for the assessment, that you're not going to get reliable scores. Um, but then I also think that we say we care a lot about the whole child and all of the facets of that child but we're kind of only focusing on that academic performance piece. But I I would argue that for little kids, I think more importantly would be social adaptation and social interaction and growth in themselves as well as academics. But you may have some students who, you know, can show you with a picture or tell you verbally the answer to a really complex problem, but then in the format that we give it to them, they can't answer it. They can't choose the right bubble. They can't show their work the exact way that we want them to show their work. Well, and, and my thing too... Just too boxed in. Yeah, and my thing too, I think, is if they can function in a school setting, sometimes gives them no bearing on any kind of real-life scenario. I feel like our school settings oftentimes are so contrived mm-hmm. that they don't know how to handle anything. I mean, I have kids that don't know how to tie their shoes or put get their backpack and like put their folder in it and put their jacket on things that developmentally they should absolutely be able to do Mm -hmm. and people seem to think that like I should be doing those things for them and (laughs) I don't tie shoes I don't either and 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 I don't I think that's so important that independence that learning how to take care of your own 
mm-hmm. shit, for lack of a better word, <laughs> is like 1,200 times more valuable than all the other stuff. And But the, all they care about is grades. Like, <laughs> you know what Which I, is interesting, though, because I don't feel like that's the way the parents are. Hmm. I don't feel like I have a lot of parents that are grade-oriented. Oh, I do. Not this year. Not in the younger kids. I, now, in older groups, I did. But even when I taught high school and middle school, I don't feel like parents were overly concerned with individual grades. They only cared about report cards. They would totally ignore all the other grades that they got. But then when the report card would come out, they would freak out. But I feel like that's the same thing with tying your shoes. I'm sending home notes, well, electronic notes, and writing notes in folders and talking to the kids, like, let's tie our shoes. I'm bringing in extra pairs of shoes for us to practice tying (laughs) and things like that. But then people send their kids to school in Velcro. So again, I can't grow the child if the skills aren't being reinforced. Like it can't be, you know, one-sided. Just like if the parents were working really, really hard on the kid knowing all of their math facts to 20. If I only challenge them to 10, then I'm not helping them grow either. So it's, it's definitely a, you know, swinging door. But I feel like we have to be really careful with those expectations with younger children, because I think that there's a lot of other ways we could be obtaining data that is more reflective of ability and readiness and things like that. And even progress versus only performance. Yeah. I, I feel strongly that progress should be measured only. And we say that's what we're doing. Like when we have our TI meetings and things like that, we're always like, oh, they're making progress. Which is why certain things are literally shown in like blue, green, (laughs) yellow, But ultimately, if you're still below that one boundary, you know, progress isn't enough. And that's kind of what we have to get away from as a mindset, I think. What do you mean? That we we have to get away from that point of success or not success like yes we have if we're saying that we're looking at progress then any growth is good yes we can't and say a well, lack grew. of growth in the kids who were like started up here is not acceptable like if, if the child starts way high according to this point of success and shows no growth for an entire year no one will ever come to you as a teacher and be like you're not doing your job because they're already right past a certain point of success in everyone's mind I think that we just have to look at how they're growing and get rid of that benchmark that we say, because we sometimes say, oh, they're growing, they're growing, they're growing. But then if they're still in the red, then that's not enough growth. Yeah. And vice versa. Like, I think it's a problem on both ends of the spectrum, that point of success, a hundred percent. Plus I would love to see, I was thinking, you know, it's funny that we're talking about this because later in the, we were just thinking that's what I wanted to talk about was what's a positive alternative to all this? Like, how do we fix it? You know? But yeah, we just hit on that authentic assessment would be. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Letting each kid show what they know. And and that's why I think those schools that use like a portfolio based system. Yeah. um, I think that's a really great idea for young learners because then they build their own portfolio that shows their strengths, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I think that, I've done that before with some special ed students and it was really effective, but I also feel like as when we're building our own portfolio, we often pick like the best things. And sometimes a portfolio is not indicative of your strengths and areas to strengthen. Mm -hmm. It's only indicative of all the things that you do well. Yeah. I think that's partially because we're built around a culture that's so focused on proficiency that like 
that's what we're always looking for. Like people right. are like, oh my God, if you're developing in something, that's horrific. Like, no, I'm, I'm never going to be good at certain things. Like for the rest of my life, I never want to be an Olympic swimmer. I never want to be a soldier. Like I'm going to struggle with those things forever. I think that's another part of our problem is this perfectionist thing of like the, every kid needs to know every single thing. Like, I don't think that's necessary. And I think it's, but that's silly. again, not focusing on the process. That's what I'm saying. I think when we, I think what you were saying about portfolios, we all pick our best stuff mm -hmm. because we're so used to that functionality. Like if we were in a different mindset, like athletes want to work on the thing they're bad at, you know, mm -hmm. because they want to get better. They're good at some well, people. And they make more. I mean, their whole life is dependent upon that. Yeah. Whereas that's not the case for a young kid. That's totally and ultimately, true. Well, and I'm talking about it in terms of teachers too, though. Like, what do you, I think though, if we teach intrinsic motivation, truly it changes, but we don't. I think you have to get away from, um, incentivizing teachers from, for good performance of children, because I think those portfolios are the way they are because the teachers are having to show that the students are doing outstanding things. Oh, I know. I feel like that about the work in the hallway too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, <laughs> these teachers have clearly handheld these kids through this work so that it looks good in the hallway, but like, that kid doesn't know how to do that without you sitting by them the whole time, <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I mean, we could definitely go on forever for yeah, this, but for this sure. is definitely our life. But I think it applies across the board. There's, I think there's things in every profession that they're like, this is not efficient. Like the way we don't, the way we do it does not make sense. Mm -hmm. Or the way we collect data does not make sense. Or, or overemphasizing things. Yeah. Sure. I think across the board that happens everywhere. Um, but I was thinking about doing it better and I've, it kind of goes with the whole end of school thing too, that we were just thinking. Um, but just adding more fun to the daily routine. I find at work, if I add like right now I'm doing this countdown where every day <clears throat> that we get closer to the last day of school, we spend like today was 21. So we had 20 minute, 21 minutes of free choice drawing time. And then, you know, Monday we'll do 20 minutes of something else or whatever. And then on the final day, like I'm going to give them a donut cause I don't ever give food treats. I know I was stunned when you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they definitely wanted a donut. So that was like the last thing we're going to do. Plus it's a half day and they can go home crazy after they eat their donut. Um, but I feel like adding more fun and that's hard for me cause I'm not always like a fun thinker. Um, so coming up with ways to be creative, to like add more fun to the day or even like this week's been teacher appreciation week and I got, um, some gift cards and I thought it was so fun to like go to Starbucks and use my gift card today. Like, yeah. So just finding ways to add it in. And if, even if it's just changing up your workout or changing out recipes that you, you know, haven't tried or eating something weird for dinner that you would normally eat. Like I feel like little switches up and switches in your day, um, help you kind of get a fresh start because I find that when I get bored, that's when I'm like the most grouchy or easily annoyed. Um, and my temperament just totally changes. So when you spice it up, even in a little bitty way, I feel like that's really helpful to kind of get you through crazy times. And right now it's a crazy time school-wise. For sure. So. <laughs> yeah, along with the end of the year stuff, I saw somewhere learn to rest, not quit. Uh, that's really good for me this time of year because when I get tired sometimes, my fallback is to like just push harder, which is illogical. Right. Like I need to slow down a little bit and I'm more likely to be like, oh God, I gotta get everything done even sooner. Right. And it's like, that's crazy. Like I just need to slow down, 
and realize that like it's not going to be 200% for the last six weeks of the school year right but in general that's true of me too like right when I need to slow down I tend to push harder Mm -hmm. which is very detrimental in a variety of capacities I think that's a little bit encouraged though because I was even thinking today that we have like documentation we keep up with at school for each student and it's due on the 6th of June and that makes no sense to me because that's when we still have kids and then we have like five days at the end of the school year where we they're they're optional teacher work days so you either use your personal time to cover them or you come and sit there and literally do nothing for five days and I thought why do I have to rush to get this done while we have kids when I could easily be relaxingly doing this on the last five days of school. So again, it's that, I don't know what that's <laughs> it's that top down mindset that are, you know, like mm-hmm. oh, that if, if we were all thinking more proficiently, then that would be a lot more helpful. A hundred percent. We need to be more efficient and we need to think that way too. Like, and that's, that's the thing is in our field, it's more um, chase your tail than, climb the rope (laughs) so we're always going in a circle it seems like do other fields feel that way please let us know yes I had things to complain about when I wasn't in teaching too so (laughs) um it was a little more streamlined I'll give it that but you also didn't have you know 22 25 individual little babies (laughs) going on that you were responsible for you know students certainly throw a wrench in all plans yeah so if you're feeling stressed which we talked about being something that is going on right now and I'm sure other people are feeling stressed for completely different reasons but stress is stress I feel like I don't feel like any stress feels different I mean there's obviously like severity levels of stress the same (laughs) but there's this cool thing that I've been doing for a few years called um, love letters and it was started by Hannah Bruncher, I think is how you say her name. And she launched the website. It's moreloveletters.com. And not quite every month, but a few times a year, um, she sends an email with all of these different people who've been um, submitted by friends or family members that share a little piece of the hardship that they're going through. And it might be they're just depressed like you know or maybe they've had a significant event in their life that um, they've lost someone or they've lost their job or I mean it's just the the reasons are really a huge spectrum which I think is nice it's not always the same type of request that you're getting but um, and literally all you do is write them a love letter to let you know that you're thinking of them or share a similar you know, obstacle that you've been through and overcome. So basically you're just trying to share some light with them. And she even has her own stationery, which is not required, but I think it's really cute. And um, so I just get out my little love letter book and I write the love letter and then I seal it up and I you mail it to whatever address they have listed. And... Um, you know, they actually get it. And they, I think that if you're going through a tough time and you get hundreds of letters, like that's got to make them feel loved. It doesn't necessarily make the situation better, but it's just a great way to sp- spread cheer. I feel like that and would encouragement. You. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a really humbling experience when you, uh, especially when you're in a phase of taking a lot of things for granted. I think that you can, um, easily forget how many blessings you have in your life Mm -hmm. and then when you're writing to 
a mom that has cancer who just lost her daughter to the same disease or something like that and you're just thinking oh my gosh like yeah my yeah I have problems and I know all pain hurts but at the same time like I have nothing in my life going on to that degree you know Mm -hmm. and so and I have been in that situation but I also feel like it's so easy to take everything for granted and sometimes when you get these reminders in the mail um, when you're writing to these people you kind of it's kind of cathartic for you too because you're sharing an experience you've been through or you're you know giving them encouragement which sometimes can offer yourself encouragement because they're not the same words you would say to yourself yes and I, I feel like that is just a huge opportunity to feel some unexpected gratitude because it's it's so easy like it literally costs you a stamp in 10 minutes you know but and there's all different reasons and they're just all listed with their addresses and you can you could write one a week or you could write one a day you know if you're going through a hard time it could kind of replace journaling almost you know so it, it's it's just a real game changer so again that's moreloveletters.com and they have great things going on there so if you subscribe with your email they'll just send you a list every now and then of the needs and a little synopsis of the situation that that person's going through I really like that I'm gonna check that out this week I thought about doing it with my kids like pen pals, but some of the things are just too deep, you know? Adult. Yeah, definitely. It would be more adult-based, yeah. So on a lighter note, the thing I'm into this <laughs> week is planner stickers. So um, I sometimes struggle with man- maintaining structure. I'm definitely more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of person. <laughs> That's where we differ the most. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like organizing my life sometimes is not my happiest thing even though I'm glad afterwards obviously I enjoy the (laughs) benefits of being organized with as far as scheduling goes uh so planner stickers really help me like it'd be more fun where I'm like oh I do want to do this I'm gonna do it (laughs) uh cute pens I like too washi tape and cute clips for my planner are helping me like not I don't know if that's that a teacher myself. thing, planners. Like, I know that there's, like... No, there's a whole planner Who's that lady thing. that does planners? Erin Condren. Yes. But, okay, but that is a teacher thing. But there's a there's a whole, like, planner tribe online. Like, it's not just teachers. Someone gave me one of her really nice planners once, and I thought, oh, wow, this is, like, intimidating. Um, but I did really like the um, reminder stickers that were, like, for the dentist, it had a tooth on it. Or, yeah. For bills that like a dollar side on it it's such a thing now Look, that's funny i'm gonna show you when we get done recording but they make like sticker books now for oh yeah for this, this came with that but yeah. i i now use google because i like the reminders for things mm-hmm. um and something about a spiral bound notebook freely flopping in a bag makes me want to throw up so I only I'm use... so opposite I'm like it has to be cute or it's not happening I'm like that spiral notebook is just gonna get meshed like mushed up and squished and <laughs> I am never gonna use it again so I don't I like to have like clean spines but yeah I just I put everything in my phone now and I like that it gives me a little reminder or I can look at the whole month at a glance which you can do that too but I feel like whenever I did use a planner I never had it when I needed it I always was like at work and it was at home or I was at school and it was or you know whatever I feel like if I write it down it helps me like if I write it on the whole month and then I write it on the week and then I write it on the day right then I'm because I have a habit of like triple booking. Basically, my my eyes are <laughs> yes, bigger than do. my stomach, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do. Or all your the day things. is longer than everyone else's. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> you run out of hours in the I'm day. I'm like, I wouldn't do that and that and that and that and yes, yes, yes to everything. All and then I have to cancel like four things. Everyone's like, you bail all the time. I'm like, I'm sorry. So yeah. it's because I want to do everything though. It's not because I, it's because I want to do all the things. <laughs> so And see me, I'm very, no. <laughs> I, I don't even look at my calendar. I'm just like, hmm. Nah. <laughs> I have to really want it. So, I mean, the people that I hang out with, which they know, like, you know, I think, like, Jordan and Angie know, like, if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to say it. If I'm hanging out, it's because I really want to. <laughs> yeah. If I'm willing to catch an Uber <laughs> two miles downtown <laughs> to eat, then you know that I want to be there. I'm not parking, though. I don't want to go that much, but I will definitely pay for an Uber and meet you there. <laughs> but, I, yeah, that's just a thing. I feel like... It's important. Yeah. So the cute pen, the washi tape, the clips, the stickers, they help me not drive my friend Jalen crazy by making plans and then bailing on them. <laughs> we will uh, put a lot of links to all of those things down below. I'm not even sure I know how to find those things or what that washi tape even means. Oh, I think that's that cute tape, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that we'll put down there. Although, I think I can just sum it up and say hit Michael's and you'll be able to find it all. Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Yeah. So, maybe we won't link that below because we already told you where to find it. Yeah. And personally, I have no idea. I shop on Amazon for everything all the time, so I'm sure you could also find it there. But... So I feel like we already hit our, we were just thinking. Yeah, we it totally was did. Totally tied into our rant. Because our rant, we kind of went <laughs> straight into it. I think that's good, though. That means I did, we yeah. went straight from complaining to solution. Yeah, and, and I think that we're pretty good at staying solution-focused. Yeah. But, um, all right, well, I just wanted to send off with the future is bright because young people like Greta Thunberg, she's bringing real concerns to light and her voice is being heard. And she has just really inspired me. I follow her. We follow her on Instagram. And she is all about the climate. And mm-hmm. she, I guess that's what she's known for, really, is initi- initiating the school strike for climate change. And she's been protesting outside the Swedish parliament about the need for immediate action, like we can't wait forever. And she gets really emotional during these speeches that she has that are in efforts to battle climate change. And actually love even more that she's a person with autism, which I think adds to how impressive she is. And I'm just really glad that people are hearing her and following her lead and that young people are just so bold to be able to blaze their own trail and fight for what they believe. And I'm hopeful that other people's parents are supporting them and encouraging them to make their future bright. Because I do think that generations before have taken a lot for granted and I know that we can't go on living that way forever including ours, but it's just really amazing. And maybe it's my teacher brain or whatever that I just think that someone who is a teenager and could easily not pay attention to any of those things. And people would never think weirdly that she's so engaged in these things and so knowledgeable. And she's really building this platform for herself where people know that she's fact-based and she is on top of it. And she's actually doing the work that her mouth is saying needs to be done. And And I think that that's amazing. Yeah, it's really uh, convicting and motivating as an adult to, like, what am I doing with my voice? Right. Am I talking about something that matters? Yeah. So uh, the thing that my send-off this week is just to check out uh, Knock Down the House. It's on Netflix. Um, It's basically a storytelling version of uh, this generation's approach to politics, which I just really like that it reminds me specifically of the power of storytelling Mm -hmm. to impact change because it it feels not really like a documentary. It kind of feels like a movie. Right. And um, 
it's a lot more accessible than a lot of things. So check it out. And this has nothing to do with gratitude or anything amazing, so I shouldn't add it to the send-off. But while you're on Netflix, after you watch Knock Down the House, which I haven't seen that either, I will totally check it out, you should watch the um, Theranos um, documentary with Elizabeth Holmes. Okay. Um, I don't know if this was filmed prior to all the drama or during or if she even knew that this is what this was being used for. Who knows? Okay. Um, but it's intense, and it's really interesting, especially with her trial approaching. So mm, anyway. Will do. Just remember to be authentically you without, without apologizing. I feel like without apologizing is the key, key part because it's so easy to be you, but sometimes we excuse ourselves. And I think that we're working really hard on doing that. So yeah. hopefully some of our listeners are too. Yeah. All right. Thank See you, you next time.